Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... We, from the very beginning, over time, we just have a very different approach to social enterprise. We're not donor-driven agenda, mm. where we, we believe in every sense of everything we do is a form of partnership and has to be reciprocal. And that helps us to grow because not everyone is going to be able to like the concept of charity. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 260 of Impact Boom. My name's Indio Miles, and I'm passionate about communicating the initiatives and enterprises causing sustainable and positive change globally. Today, we're speaking with Jimmy Pham. Jimmy Pham has been a pillar of the Hanoian community for over 22 years. Born in Saigon, but raised in Sydney, Jimmy keeps a foot in both camps, which has allowed him to successfully operate in the hospitality sector in Vietnam for over 20 years. Jimmy's long history operating the Koto Social Enterprise, the first vocational training program in Vietnam, has allowed Jimmy to not only develop extensive experience in the social justice space, but also vast business networks within Vietnam. His high visibility amongst both expats and local Vietnamese has long been an asset that he has utilized by mentoring socially inclusive businesses into thriving institutions in Hanoi through the Center for Social Initiatives Promotion. Jimmy brings diversity, he brings passion, but above all, he brings a strong sense of the importance of international partnerships in making Vietnam the amazing place that he has always known that it is. On today's podcast, we will discuss Jimmy's journey as a social entrepreneur and how he established Koto, techniques to make sure you claim opportunities whenever possible, and his advice for individuals to start their journey in the social enterprise sector. Jimmy, thank you so much for joining us. It is great to be speaking with you right now. Hey, India, thank you for having me. And then hello to all the listeners out there. And also, by the way, it's a great intro. I think that I'm going to try and convince you to come to Vietnam and become a communication officer. <laughs> it is a fantastic <laughs> intro, Jimmy. And it absolutely, if that's not going to encourage people to come and visit Vietnam, I don't really know what could. Thank to you. start off, Jimmy, could you please share a bit about your background and what led you to working in the social enterprise sector? Sure. Actually, I think a lot of, you ask a lot of entrepreneurs, right? They're very typical trade. They're very passionate about something and they go on to do things. And for us, there's a lot of us fall into social enterprise space. Because when we started it many, many, many years ago, especially in this region, social enterprise is not very well known. And today it's still not very well known, but at least it's much better than it was 20 years ago. Mm. So I kind of fell into the social enterprise space. But my background is I was born during a very tough time, which is so passionately known as the American War. My father's Korean and my mom is Vietnamese. So I, a lot of, she's actually from the North, a product of a street kid herself. So we moved down to the South during the, the reunification of Hanoi at the North and South. So she, and then she was, you know, of course she grew up in, in Saigon and that's where I was born. 
But like a lot of people who fought on the wrong side, we knew that pretty much in 1972 that the war, the North has won. And a lot mm. of us who, who lived in the South actually fought refugees elsewhere overseas. So that, that's also a, a period where known as the, the boat people. So my family fled to Sing- Singapore and then to Saudi Arabia because my father's Korean. I, I was much more lucky than a lot of refugees. Mm. And then we finally, at the age of eight, we call Australia home. And that's where I grew up in Sydney. Even though, even though you know, we we cut out coupons from Sandinis and you know that kind of stuff. We were still very lucky because we still have a roof over our head and education and and food on the table. So taught values by our moms. So I come from a very large family, six six of us all, all together. So I grew up in a lucky country and had an education. I had a very good lucky life. Mm-hmm. And at the age of twenty four, I I work in the tourism industry, which brought me back to Vietnam. And I went for a walk. I call it the walk that changed my life. And that's where my whole life changed. When I met these four street kids that I thought I can be that change that I want to see in the world. That's a very, very powerful story there, Jimmy. Very interesting past you have being in so many different countries as well. Quite interesting to hear. Sorry, can, can I add something as well, India? It's more of like a, a journey where you learn, grow and all that kind of stuff. And eventually, you know, to answer your question, how did I lead me into become a, starting a mm-hmm. social enterprise? We just kind of fell into it because we saw a need, or I saw a need and I acted on it. And then being into, you know, as the, the intro, interview progresses, I'll, I'll tell you more about how the concept came about. Yeah, you saw the opportunity and took it. That's fantastic. So, Jimmy, could you then, leading on to the next question, share the core mission of your social enterprise, No One Teach One, which we also know is KOTO. And what is KOTO doing to make that sustainable social change that you wanted to see in the world? So Kodo is not going to lie, as you mentioned, India is no one teach one. When we, when we came up with the name, when I came up with the name 20, 24 years ago, there was always this understanding that one's help, help others. And education is still the key to breaking the poverty cycle. You know, yeah. when we work, you know, our, our target population, which is street kids, they don't have an education. Mm-hmm. The education level is up to grade four max. So you think that in order, and coming from Australia, where we think that trade and vocational training is super, super important. And that's going to be, if you don't have, you're not lucky enough to go through the academic channel, you can actually go through the trade channel, right? So, Mm. and the idea was to break that cycle by learning and learning by doing for those who actually don't have that kind of academia background. I developed the concept because after three years or so, I live on the on a philosophy that give someone a fish today and we eat them today. And I, I've been feeding them and clothing them and putting them through education and all that, but never really have a sustainable solution. Until mm-hmm. about four years after I landed in Vietnam, that those kids that I helped actually came clean and told me that they've been taking me for a ride. And actually what I was doing wasn't in fact helping them at all. They kind of need the next sustainable step, which is to get them a job. Mm-hmm. And so that's when the name Kodo came about. It was just through that education that they can be able to have fishing rod to go and fish for the rest of their lives. And that's how the concept came about. So everything is, kind of grew very organically. And then because the, the whole, to answer your question, to the question number one, is how, how to become social enterprise, it's because Vietnam in 20 years ago, you have two choices. One is an NGO, which is a not-for-profit, not government, mm-hmm. sorry. And the other one is a business. 
right? There's no social enterprises in Vietnam. Yeah. And, but for me, is I have a whole bunch of street kids who don't have any schooling. They don't have any paperwork. They're not considered a menace to society. Mm. So the only thing I can learn was to give them the most transferable skills can have, and that's sustainable. That's tourism and hospitality. And hospitality is basically, it's learned by doing. And the only way I'm going to be able to get some, uh, to be sustainable is to have an income. So I combined this idea of creating this training program that can yeah. earn money, that can give them the practical training they need, and then continue. And that's how it comes to me. Is it makes sense, right? Whether if I do a project, I do a proposal, which I didn't know how to do a proposal back then, mm. get some funding, and then when the funding runs out, and you know this pandemic is really a, a great demonstration of that, you just kind of close the project. We continue on doing that model. And the, the great thing is this whole empowerment. Yeah. message so no one teach one is basically say once help help others but don't go through this mentality especially in asia where it's a charity but it's about investment it's about helping others and you don't have to be rich to help people you don't have to be able to be well off to be able to do things you can actually start doing things by just being kind and be a service to others and that's how the no one teach one came about and now it is to be a critical part of the whole code of program where the older class teaches the younger class and the younger class teaches the freshly newly recruited class. And then when you go out into the program, out into the community, the hospitality community, we have over 1,500 alumni now where yeah. instantly you get this instant membership into this all this big brand. that because you're Kodo, your older brothers and sisters, so to speak, that has graduated before now became that mentor and that support network for you out in the community. I absolutely, every time I hear that story, it is amazing to hear it. Um, I've had the pleasure on multiple occasions being able to hear your journey. And every time it's just a really beautiful story. And I think there's a lot for every entrepreneur to take away from that. Thank you. So Jimmy, over your life, you have traveled quite extensively and you were talking about this before, and this has yeah. obviously influenced your perception of the world around you. So from these yeah. travels, what lessons have you learned about bringing different cultures together to interact more effectively? I think that, okay, the startup is, you know, I'm super, super proud to be Australian. So mm. I thought it, it taught me this, this fighting for the underdog. It's not always that mentality. I remember going this 40-hour feminine when I was uh, only eight years old and, and yeah. trying to raise money for kids in Africa. So it was this values that in Australia, as Australians, we got instilled in us at a very young age. Then number two, by this extensive traveling around me, I had the privilege of developing empathy, if, that's, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, empathy where you find that Different cultures bring different lessons. Doesn't mean that you're from Australia and you're in this you know great country that you're going to just apply whatever that is to a culture all the way to Southeast Asia. So yeah. through this extensive, uh, how I applied in my program is that I bring this Western Australian training, which is the methodologies and, and the deliveries of the curriculums, uh, Australian curriculum, which is accredited mm-hmm. through the Fox Hill Institute in Melbourne. So they got this international flavor, international training, right? But the mm-hmm. culture at the end of the day is they're still Vietnamese. They still have to interact with their own people and all that. So it's very important that they have culture of Vietnam, as a Vietnamese. It's been implemented and echoed all the way through the program because it's a live-in program for two years. 
So our kids go, like, for example, one of our culture that's very different to Australia is that, you know, when you eat, you pick up your bowl of rice and then immediately the people that's older than you opposite the table, you just say, you're asking permission, so to speak. And that culture is still very much alive at the yeah. Coda program. Prevalent. Yeah, exactly. Because they are Vietnamese and they should be very proud of being in the city. But this sense of traveling and this empathy that you develop all of a sudden now can be applied through your, your teaching and mm. the program implementation. Such an interesting conversation of cultures and definitely an interesting and valuable insight, Jimmy. Yeah. So for Koto more specifically now, they've been reiterated over the past two decades, essentially, and it has evolved significantly since the beginning. I think you would agree with me on that. And yeah. I just want to see over that journey, what was the best way did you find to seize an opportunity and then take that opportunity to adapt as an entrepreneur rather than kind of yeah. growing lethargic and not moving with the times when there were opportunities yeah. to take? I think for us, is we from the very beginning over time, which is to have a very different approach to social enterprise. We're not donor-driven agenda. Mm. where we, we believe in every sense of everything we do is a form of partnership and it has to be reciprocal. And that helps us to grow because not everyone is going to be able to like the concept of charity. Yes. So it has to be a win-win situation. So that, that whole applications that you apply to program and to everyone you meet. So for example, we work with a, a very large IKEA-like furniture shop here. Mm. On the fifth floor, we do all the F&B outlets, right? So they win, we win by we by being there. The brand they will have tra- more, you know fifteen to twenty percent more traffic, yeah, uh, coming to the store. So they win in that sense, and we win by actually being offered the F and B, which gives us an income, and our kids get the training that it hence go towards sustainability. Do you know what I mean? Wow. So yeah, by in every every aspect, we're trying to move with the time methodology, but also in partnerships and spirit partnerships, but also to understand that in order to be truly sustainable, mm. you actually have to approach it that way because you just can't be reliance and can't be how you call it, complacent, but diversifying and always moving with the time. And mm. the key point for this, so a lot of social enterprise makes mistakes that because they have a very strong social mission, they put that at the forefront of their business model, yeah. which is wrong. You have to apply a very strong business practice principle to apply to a social mission. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Because so that means that you have to have a marketing team. You have to have a sales team. You have to rely on great products and services, great ambient, everything that uh, whatever industry you're in uh, to be competitive in the market and not reliant just because you have a, so, a strong social mission that whoever comes with you is going to give you this free freebies, right? Mm. But always approach it in a way that as a business, I'm going to run this, you know what I mean? So there have yeah. to be a risk management. There have to be a, a strong business plan, strong you know marketing plan, how you're going to tell the story. And then on top of that, whoever comes with you is to treat them as a partner rather than a donor. No, I 100% agree, Jimmy. That's a very, very good insight there. So last kind of question before we move on to some inspiring projects and initiatives you know on. I just want you to yeah. quickly reflect on your early days as an entrepreneur. Where would you, at this time, have recommended an aspiring impact-led individual begin their journey as an entrepreneur? And what steps could they take to prepare themselves for success? For me, and this is going to go on, I know they have to do a formal way, but the informal way, and I guess the emotional level, 
Yeah. You, know, you have to really, really love what you do. This is, a, I know it's a bit of a cliche, <laughs> but you really have to love what you do. My yeah. inspiration, where I draw my inspiration from, is that every morning I go to work and how tired we are. And sometimes, you know, we're just so behind the eight ball and we're in debt and all that kind of stuff. But then you see this, this smiles that greets you every morning that says, Let, you're, tra- you're translating as an insane, thank you for my future. So that the thing where you wake up every morning for 20 years, and just, no matter how tired, unmotivated, unmotivational you are, motivational you know you are, you continue mm-hmm. to go on that journey because you believe in something. You have to be so passionate, so driven, so focused, and so love what you do that no matter what comes your way, you can you can weather it. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it's very the problem with the young age nowadays. I'm sorry to hear all the young listeners. <laughs> is that perseverance is something that is it's just taken as a quote rather than as into practice mm. the young the young generation here in vietnam is the same thing you know if you if you say the wrong thing to them and they're not happy the first thing is they they just quit if you read all the the books of all the you know inspired and successful ceo they tell you how many times they fail and they yeah. continue to fail and they'll grow and that's how you grow your journey and your journey so it's very important that keep at it no matter how tough things are. Of course, be realistic and have a, a solid business plan. So have your capital to back up your projects. But expect it to be like any business, a two to three year for it to grow. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, and very important, very super important is to not. If 10 people tell you that it's a wrong idea and you shouldn't do it, and that one person tells you to do it, then listen to that one person. As then you know that you're truly a social entrepreneur because you're very unreasonable <laughs> and and that's how you're going to change the world. Wow. No, I really, really like that, Jimmy. That's absolutely fantastic. I think you've hit the nail on the head and I'll have to definitely think about that in the future, about that perseverance. Uh, We're coming towards the end of the interview, Jimmy, and I've just yeah. kind of got very quickly at the end, I just want to find out about a few inspiring projects or initiatives that you have come across yeah. recently and also yeah. any books and resources, anything you would recommend for our listeners to consume, whether that's a podcast or a book or any sort of media. Wow, thank you. <laughs> you you kind of put me on the spot there, India. <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, I, I sat on a board here in Vietnam for over 10 years. So it's mm. called the Center for Social Initiative and Promotion, CSIP. Yeah. And we fund and mentor and support projects, startups, and also a project that's ready to take off and all that for the last 10 years or so. And uh, we also work at a policymaking level which uh, to for social enterprises to be recognized. So according to the British Council, there's about 40,000 social enterprises now working in Vietnam or businesses with social inclusion, right? Mm. So uh, as, a, as a small project, you, sell, you know, on so many levels, you change perceptions, change people's view, this particular space with the social enterprise. I have so many inspiring projects. <laughs> They're hard that, to pick um, one. So hard to pick one because there's industry, there's environments, there's community, mm-hmm. there's education, all that kind of stuff. I'm working with in Australia, and, and I think for all Austra- Aussie listeners, we have a very strong, we know of Aus Harvest, which is run by a beautiful lady called Ronnie, Ronnie Khan. I'm trying to bring that food rescue project to, to Vietnam. Vietnam is just, in this region, we're one of the biggest food wasters. And so we're, we're, so we're trying to nourish Vietnam through this project and she inspired me she's not a social enterprise but she's a, as a project 
in Australia. She, you know, she nourished millions of Australians every year, especially through the COVID time as well. Yeah. So she, she's one of those persons that immediately jumped to mind. That's someone that, that inspired me as a founder. But mm. if you talk to her on a personal level, she's just one of those persons that's so inspirational, so humble, and I'm just so glad to, to, to be able to sort of call her a friend. Yeah, of course, Jimmy. So on on the books wise, I think that mm. don't just because you're a social entrepreneur, don't go don't go searching for books on social entrepreneurship only. Do you know what mm. I mean? Go you know, you your genre, just go and open wide and diversify and, and and go beyond that. Because every books, whoever the, is the author, they have like 20, 30 years of experience. They're putting into this book for you. So mm. if you can book, read one book, whether it's on business discipline, on motivational or marketing or whatever, it is or podcasts and education journey itself. So it doesn't have to be a particular topic that you're very passionate about. It's just basically sometimes just reading someone's life and how they touch others and inspire others is enough for you to go on and to be inspired. That's fantastic, Jimmy. Sorry for putting you on the spot there, but some wonderful suggestions (laughs) for our audience. I'm very glad that I asked that question. And that means we're at the end of our interview. So I just want to say on behalf of Impact Boom, thank you so much for spending the time to share your valuable insights and generously share your time with us. We know how busy you are at the moment with Koto. It's such a wonderful organization. And as always, I'm looking forward to seeing your work in the future and seeing the progress of any of the boards or enterprises you work with thank you thank you india appreciate it and yeah if anyone has an opportunity to come to vietnam we would love to see you here after covid of course thanks for listening to impact boom you'll find links to the initiatives people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org please leave your comments below and remember we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website Facebook page and Twitter.